everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Babe. I'm here with a real babe in every sense of the word. Trying to be. Trying to be succeeding, babing out, babing up, living her babe dreams. It's Elizabeth Parks Kibbe. Hi, everyone. So excited to be here. You've never done a podcast before. I've never done a podcast before. And that's something we didn't talk about before we turned on the mics. It's okay. Makes it feel fresh, which I love. And it's been on my mind. Let me tell you. I love like I feel like I've had a lot of people on the pod or on various pods of mine that have never potted before. So one of my happiest things to do is to pop people's podcast cherries. I did have like a really short guest appearance. Okay, so you lied to me. <laughs> <laughs> it so was like just the tip. Been broken. It was just the tip. Like you were like, hey, and then it was over. <laughs> Well, my brother, Richard mm-hmm. Parks the Third, is his professional name. Wow. He's quite a podcaster. Really? I know. I don't know why we've never gone over this, but he has a couple different podcasts. My favorite probably is Richard's Famous Food Podcast. There are only three episodes to date. Amazing. In the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> a really <laughs> lax production schedule. But he also does live from the Astro, mm-hmm. which is a live recorded podcast, which means it can go a lot of different journeys. So many things can happen. So many places. And one time I just showed up while they were live recording and basically hogged the mic because I love to hold a microphone close to my mouth. Yeah, same. That's like the reason I love podcasting so much, I think, is because I get to then speak my truth into a mic. And you don't have to worry what you look like. No, it's so great. So you can just be like kind of having a garbage troll appearance day. Like I didn't shower this morning. Yeah, I'm like no makeup. And... It just like it's easy. It's just it's easy breezy. It keeps it real. Yeah. So here we are. So anyway, I did have just like a little tiny snippet on live from the Astro. I mostly talked about conscious hip hop. Oh, love. Which was an interesting entree. (laughs) Um, Are you a hip hop aficionado? Did you not know this about me? I didn't know this about you. You didn't know? I am a huge hip hop head. Oh my like God. you're a grateful dad head. Yes, I'm a dead head. And I am, I really, it's like something I think about a lot. Cause also now that I'm the somewhat matured age that I am, it's like, I still 20 years later, I'm like just mostly listening to hip hop. That's amazing. And I mean, I've gone through a lot of other phases and have many other genres that I've spent a lot of time in, but I just, Hip-hop is number one. And also, it's a coping mechanism, you know, Yeah, for those like, babe, I'm so depressed, I just want to listen to some really loud bass. That actually is a really good coping mechanism, because now I'm thinking about, when I'm depressed, I tend to go even darker music-wise. Right. Like, yeah. I throw on some Radiohead, and then I'm just like, Ugh, why do God. I feel suicidal, like, 48 hours later? Yeah, I stopped later. doing that in my early 20s. Yeah, and I'm like, this doesn't... <laughs> Like, this isn't helping me, I don't think. So, you know I what think helps I need to a take lot? it to a hip hop place? Cardi B. Yeah. Cardi- that helps a lot. Also, Rick Ross. Okay. But then, see, the, and the reason why this came up on the other pod was that 
for a while in 2017, I was on a real trap journey. Do you know what trap is? Yeah. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I'm not You're totally. like, I'm a white girl in 2018. <laughs> we love trap. There's even an album called White Girls Loving Trap or something. Yeah, no, I was like, I'm very, very white. But I do know what trap is. We white girls love trap. Mm-hmm. It's just hard not to. It's so addictive. So that was why at the end of last year, I was feeling really conflicted about my white girl identity as a trap head. Yeah. And needed to dive deep into my roots of early conscious hip hop. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I made a playlist. Oh my god! I've Wait, shared can it we out. share? We need to share that playlist, or maybe you could update one for the readers. I think I should. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. That would be great. And I, I need would to love update that too. it because I kind of was working on it for a while, and then I let it go. And mm-hmm. it we needs- need a refresh. Mm-hmm. I need more hip hop in my life because I can't go down. I can't keep going down these like depressive music k holes. Like last night, I had I was having Sunday scaries pretty bad, and. But I turned it around in a really great and productive way. I just put on a whole dead album <laughs> and listen, or I listened to his show, Red Rocks, like 77 from beginning Anything to end. Anything with Red Rocks in the yeah, title, and then the I was I'm just like, about. okay, I get why people listen to like specific shows of the Grateful Dead and how they like each are nuanced. And I was like, oh, I'm moving into that phase of deadhead dumb where I'm like now getting into like, the specific shows and all that. So your listeners might already know this, but tell me about the onset of your deadheadness. Like, was is this a lifelong from childhood thing? This was it started when I was a teen. Okay, as most things in my life did. Um, I I would see like a lot of like stoners at school, like had the stickers on their car and like, and merch, they seemed cool, and they were cool, and I was like. <laughs> This looks cool. Like, what is this? I mm-hmm. like skulls and lightning bolts, and like, I'm I'm intrigued. And then it's as funny I that you associate. Out, it's like that's true. That's the logo, but I don't think Grateful Dead skulls. Immediately. Yeah, but I like that. Yeah, it like makes skeletons and yeah. roses and stuff. And then I was like, this is chill. And then as, the more I started hanging out with all these like stoner kids and listening to the music. And then, like, going to shows. And at, at first, it was like, oh, this is a place where I can, like, do drugs. And that, that was, part. like, a huge allure. And that allure has remained. But in Hip-hop addition works to for that, that, too. Yeah. No. <laughs> as it turns out, like, all music is a place that's pretty drug friendly. True. True. Yeah. Except for the Christian rock. Except for Christian rock. Because you're just high on God. Or, you know, so. like, the straight edge, like, punks. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah, I fell on the treadmill last Monday, (laughs) fully wiped out. Dangerous. Treadmills are very dangerous. So dangerous. Was sprinting the fastest I'd sprinted in months and was like feeling so hot and like 
just like seeing my beach body ahead of me and then hopped off at the end of the sprint, lost my footing, slammed down on the treadmill, like onto my knee, held on for a sec because I was like, no, why? And then realized once you hold on, you start to just burn your skin off. So then I just oh my let God. go and let the treadmill like spit me onto the floor. Everyone in the class, like I didn't care that Were there everyone- people there? Oh, the class was full, but I was just like, whatever. <laughs> I was mostly just concerned about the You're fact. You're like, hashtag 2018 people. Yeah, I was like, what else is new? Like, get over it. This is the story of my life. But my most biggest concern was like, I think I just really injured myself. And I did. And I have like a crazy, like, I'm like out of commission for like running or anything, which then throws me into like a total panic spiral because like somebody body issues, somebody is going to love you and your body the way it is. You know that I, know. I have let go of my beach body. I haven't been doing dirty 30 and I, my beach body is gone. And guess what? That is an act of fucking resistance. That's an act of resistance. And because so I'm fuck your beauty norms yeah so i'm LA. trying to take back the troll and i was like look okay i fell off the treadmill i'm not gonna probably get back on the treadmill for at least like three weeks or whatever and this i'm like already planned on letting go of this like class because it was like this high impact that it's like unsustainable and it's like reinforcing i think it reinforces like negative self-talk LA is that crazy I like that so i was like okay this is a sign that i need to slow down and like maybe devote time to like low impact like pilates or whatever pilates and so then i've been doing pilates and that's actually like been really good and so i don't know it's just like a reframing and like not letting it because normally i think my reaction would be like i fucked up like i'm so stupid like i fell off like i'm so pathetic and like now i can't work out and i'm just gonna get fat and then i would like go into like eating like pizza all the time and just like reinforcing ways to feel like shit (laughs) yeah and so i'm like i can still eat pizza like i can it doesn't have to be a death sentence i guess and like looking at it like it's not some great tragedy perfection is really white supremacist we're trying to Perfection end is white supremacy it is and so are beauty standards and guess what who has ever had a lull when they haven't eaten a sandwich in like five years like no my laws go out the window as soon as i'm hungry. not eating yeah being hungry is a it's recipe for misery a it's null. like Radiohead in your head yeah oh my god that was funny <laughs> all the time <laughs> that's so true like being hungry and like miserable is a true not all and like it's the worst why would you wish that upon anybody yeah no i don't wish that on anyone it's why would you sell clothes that only fit people who are hungry yeah like i did which i'm recovering from which i think is great mm-hmm. yeah i tried to sell some clothes that aren't for hungry people too but fashion yeah. fashion it's, is like the last it, frontier of like like oppression oppression but it's funny because it's like fashion it masquerades as like being liberated being liberated and like wear whatever you want and so progressive and like and being all- about expressing yourself when yeah. it's really about conformity and also and not like being able to run away from people yeah. in your high heels but it also just caters to only size to like models People and like who don't eat yeah and I like know. in reinforces really unachievable beauty standards i know it's and so, crazy. so it's like such like a it's literally a polar opposite of itself and like size inclusivity and stuff like i was listening 
like one of the only other podcasts I listen to, obviously, is Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop podcast. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, it's everything. The queen of controlling eating. The queen. and But she had Ashley Graham on her podcast. Oh, really? And it was a really good episode. And it was all like they talked a lot about the size inclusivity, which is funny to hear like Gwyneth talking about that because I know. I cannot you know, even imagine. Like, ah! like having a seizure as like Ashley Graham talks about like size 30 I clothing. just really love to know that that's your favorite podcast. Oh, it's my babe. favorite. Yeah. It's my favorite. Because that was actually, that was the beginning of my self-care journey was actually podcasting, but listening to podcasts, Tara Brock. Have you ever heard of her? Uh Uh-uh. Okay. She's a white woman who's also a Buddhist monk. Mm -hmm. There are a few of those around, but she's really legit. Yeah. I mean, she's good. And it was one of those things like my therapist tried to get me to listen to Tara Brock for or read Tara Brock for like years. And I was like, sure. Yeah, I totally did that. Totally. But I didn't. And then... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's like everyone telling me to meditate for the past 10 years and you're like yeah I did and they're that. like have you meditated yet and i'm like no so you know what long i haven't been practicing meditation recently but i did do one giant mind for a long time it's an app it's free it's run by this australian dude who you basically get used to and it suits because <laughs> what i liked about it is that i tried all this like buddhist mindfulness the thing is, is that people are like meditate and you're like okay but that's you know, nobody tells you how yeah. and there are all sorts of different ones mm-hmm. and basically sitting there by yourself is boring and sometimes painful. Yeah. And they don't acknowledge that, which is rude. Mm-hmm. So I first got into stuff with Pema Children, who I think you are aware of. Yeah, I am aware of. Yeah. And I was doing some Pema Children mindfulness meditation for a while, but it was hard for me because there was like intention setting and then I would be thinking about... um things that I didn't want to be thinking about mm-hmm. while I was being mindful of them during my meditation. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why one giant mind really suits because it's a basically it's teaching you transcendental meditation. Oh, cool. Which is really about thinking nothing. Mm-hmm. And you use the mantra of like a nonsense word basically yeah. to like say over and over to yourself. To so center you, yourself again. It's really actually soothing it can sometimes like I was not good at doing it for like more than 10 or 15 minutes on the outside. It's something you just like meditation is just like exercise. You have to like kind of train yourself to like it. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and then it can soothe. Totally. Sharon Salzberg's also good. Okay. So meditation is your jam. Honestly, I'm not that good about it. Um, I've done it. Mm-hmm. I like One Giant Mind a lot. I I recommend One Giant Mind if you're thinking about trying to get into meditation. Is that an app? It's an app and okay. it's free, which I think is really important for a meditation app. Yeah. I don't think you should be paying. It feels odd to pay for a meditation. Well, also, I think that's one of the criticisms of tra- uh, transcendental meditation. Yeah, you have to pay to then get the mantra. But then I have a gut feeling that all the mantras are the same. Like they're just peddling the same mantra to everyone. But they're like pay and never tell. Exactly. The pay and then never tell anyone else what your mantra is reads to me like we're just selling the same mantra over and over. Exactly. Exactly. And the thing is, I actually have a friend who paid and did TM training Mm -hmm. and got her mantra and everything. And she was the one 
who told me about one giant mind. She's like, it's basically TM, but you're not paying for the whole and doing the whole thing. Yes. I went when I was living in Chicago, like way back in the day, I think like 2006, I went to a David Lynch like speaking. He like spoke at a bookstore because he had just put out his book about like a little like a little funny book about TM Mm. and the way he talked about it was just so amazing. And then I was very intrigued. I was like, I want to go blah, blah, blah. But then I realized like, this is like $2,500. I strongly recommend one giant mind for that reason. They're not paying me. This mm-hmm. is not an advertisement. This is not but, an ad. You didn't, you're not an no, associate. Seriously. Like, and I have tried, I mean, meditation for us Americans, I think for those of us who, you know, grow up in that Western Judeo Christian kind of capitalist society, meditation, mm-hmm. it's easy for people to be like, you should just meditate. It's like exercise, exercise and meditate and like drink yeah. water, but it's hard to know where to start. And, one giant mind i think teaches you in a really chill relaxing way and also helps you form a practice and i don't think i've ever like not felt awesome after i did it mm-hmm. it's kind of you feel like you just took like a great nap yeah like a really really good disco nap that's the kind of thing it's like when i think about when i get into a mode where i struggle with like making it to like my weekly allotted like workouts and stuff. I've start I've started to tell myself you're not you've never regretted going to a workout. Aside mm. from my fall off the treadmill workout. <laughs> I really regretted going to that one so I did prove myself wrong, but normally like and that's the same thing with meditation. It's like I need to figure out a way to tell myself like you'll never regret meditating. I have been thinking about going to like a sitting group, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Because I feel like that would help me with my like accountability to myself and I'll maybe deepen my practice mm-hmm. since my practice has been pretty non-existent recently. Do you just like whenever you get a chance, a free like 20 minutes, or are you like meditate or do you try and do it in the morning or when do you work well, it Well, One in? Giant Mind is a program that's about daily meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently, sometimes when I'm like, oh my God, I just can't take this one second more. And this being just life and reality. Life, yeah. 2018. Um, <laughs> 2018. Merging into the rest of our existence. Merging, <laughs> merging into the earth, just rushing straight into the fireball that is the sun. Yeah. Um, I read an article in the Daily Mail yesterday, just the headline, because I was like, I'm not going to put myself through this article read, but it was like, climate change and global warming it it was like soon climate change is going to make it so that by 2010 or no 2020 2010 happened yeah whatever whatever what's some future date oh 2100 you're gonna start like just involuntarily peeing the bed from climate change hmm like stress related i don't know just like (laughs) toxins basically the only people i know that are adults that pee the bed are like hardcore ketamine users and so Mm. i'm just like in my mind i I can't say i know of an adult who's pees in their bed but i wouldn't imagine that someone would tell me that (laughs) yeah it's not like something you really actively share because i think it signifies a much larger problem but so much larger to me that red is like 
the climate and the air quality is going to be so bad. It's as though you're just constantly doing ketamine without any of the fun parts, just the pee part. Which is why, Which is why we need to meditate. Which is why we really need to meditate. I guess. You know what the other thing I was thinking about is that we don't need to do anything. I think when I'm down or frustrated or confused, I tend to turn to self-help. Mm-hmm. And self-help is great. I love self-help. Like, like books also, or like books or just any kind of advice that you can find online or techniques. And the thing is, is when you're really now this is taking a dark turn, severely depressed. Yeah. Like you're not just having a bad day. No, but it's like I'm not gonna get sometimes up today. yeah, you can do all those things. You could even exercise and meditate, you know, and be living sugar free and still not feel good Mm -hmm. and so there's kind of i I was when i was in a place like that (laughs) at one point in my life yeah maybe really recently (laughs) 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 um where you were down the radio head wasn't even on the radio head was like phantom on Radiohead was like the version of like a fun loving movie compared to where i was (laughs) Like a good rom-com. Radiohead is a rom-com. Radio, it was the rom-com. When Radiohead is the rom-com music, you know, you know shit's you're fucked. in a K-hole. Um, I think it's important for us to you know, remember that it's not in our control. And that I think that what happens, or at least for me, when I'm in that cycle of like, I'm so upset and I need to, I need to fix my way out of this. I need to do my way out of it. I need to Mm -hmm. meditate my way out of it and exercise my way out of it and healthy living my way out of it. And I still don't feel well. I start to, it starts a cycle of self blame. Yeah. Like there's just something wrong with you and like this should be working and why isn't it working? And that makes you even more upset. Mm -hmm. So I think it's funny. Like I was thinking about meditation and all of these things that we've been talking about in terms of managing what is a really complicated, confusing, and oppressive existence. Mm -hmm. And something that I've learned in the last year too, or have been in the process of learning is just doing less. Like Like we don't have to like literally not worrying constantly about what you need to do to you know, get the thing you think you want, yeah. but to actually just slow down mm-hmm. and do less stuff. I think for like a seriously depressed person, that wouldn't mean like, just don't get out of bed, just lay there. Yeah. But I mean, in but general, like, we live in this culture where there's just such a drive to do more, to have more, to be more. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes we don't need to be more. We're just... We just need to relax. Yeah. And I think it's like as long as you're doing whatever you need to do to like get through your day and have like one successful day for you is enough. And that you have part, to shut. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And like shutting out the like, oh my God, like worries about the future or like career or like long term stuff. But it's like if you're just accomplishing your day's goals and you can like be proud of the work that you did that day. Then or just like, being a person. Yeah, you're chill. Two things. One, 
my grandmother apparently used to tell my mother probably when she was is this your grandmother that's like the glamorous 20s yes she's a chic i need to know more about your grandmother because she is the she's a babe of the century she elizabeth has been posting (laughs) these pictures of her grandmother who's like a 20s model basically i just like do photo shoots like i think probably (laughs) no actually she did model like a little bit she was just like a glamazon out of another time born in 1907 yeah chic to to a family of means and went to finishing school in paris Mm -hmm. she's from the south and um she had a really interesting life because what what she was born into and what was set up i think probably in her mind and the mind of everyone around her that her life would be like wasn't what it turned out to be Mm -hmm. she fell in love and married a man that her family didn't approve of okay she was disowned how old was she when she was disowned um very young i can't remember i don't know like the ages but she had four children um her husband died when my mom was four my grandfather died and she it was like you know after the depression and like after during world war ii Mm -hmm. and she had to go back to work and she worked two jobs she worked at the bank during the day and then she hostessed at a fancy restaurant in memphis tennessee which was owned by her I think Justine was her sister, must have been her sister-in-law. Yes. And that was like how she made ends meet, but she wasn't around. My mom never saw her growing up. Um, and then my mother's much older sister had two kids that my grandmother ended up having to raise. Mm-hmm. And by the 60s, my grandmother was like, you know what? Everyone's out of the house. I'm done. I'm going to Ibiza. <laughs> literally oh my god she was like i think i've done my work here i'm out <laughs> that is incredible Did, so she moved to she there? just like randomly she was all i mean she always really loved traveling and she had the opportunity to travel as a youth mm-hmm. and so yeah i think it was a tumultuous time in the united states and she was always this very like glamorous woman but she also had been kind of in the trenches for you know a good 20 years she went from like paris finishing school to then a disowned which was not a chill vibe yeah and i think probably a tumultuous marriage my grandfather was in both world war one and world war two he enlisted as like a 17 year old or something in world war one that's stressful and And um, i think he liked alcohol also stressful stressful then a death then a pound the pavement work two jobs raise all raise basically six six kids kids. then it's time for ibiza it's time for (laughs) and i call it ibiza not because i'm so continental in spanish but that that was what she called it so i I never bring myself to call it ibiza it's like it's hard for me to call it ibiza because then i I feel like you calling it ibiza like i have a lisp anyway it's so worldly it's not (laughs) i um truly i don't think ibiza so grandma my namesake elizabeth elizabeth ended up partying in ibiza in her 50s yeah yeah in her 50s in the 60s in ibiza before it was like a trash zone and she ended up living in a 
basically like a farmhouse in the south of France for the last like 25 years of her life. She full body like chill. I don't even know how she made it from Ibiza to Provence or what that journey was like. I just feel like I have to ask my mom. That makes sense to me. It was just like a journey that one would have. And she lived in this like crumbling farmhouse in this tiny little town in Provence and like had tons of friends. She always was like a very social person. So she always had tons of friends, tons of younger friends. You know, she was very intellectual and she loved the arts. She loved music. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, she just lived out her days in Provence, like waking up in the morning and going to get her baguette and I don't, I don't actually know what she did all day, every day. I got to visit. I called her when I was really little. I called her grandmama from France. Mm-hmm. And my dad's mom was grandmama from Florida. So that was funny. <laughs> um, neither of them were around much. But she would come for Christmas. And then when I was six years old, I got to go visit or eight or something. I got to go visit her in Provence. Wow. And that was before she got really old and, you know, fell and then, she was forced to move back to the United States so that my mom could take care of her. She was Troll. Re- really angry about that. She so was she moved not to served. California. She came and she moved in with us and okay. she and I became really, really close. We were both early risers. Oh, love. And I would wake up like at four 30 or five in the morning and go get in bed with her and we would read our books. Oh, we were just into books. I love grandma time. I know. I know. I've been thinking about her a lot recently because something that um, more non-white people in activist circles talk about is invoking the spirits of their ancestors mm-hmm. and how those people have, are informing and spiritually working through them to in so many ways, both in sort of body and voice to guide the work that we do to build the and contend for the world that we would desire for our descendants. Mm -hmm. And I know that I have a ton of problematic ancestors. And I also know that I have some lesser ones. But I also just wonder, even though I knew my grandmother, like, how did she think about the, you know, issues of her time which something i've been thinking about with history again sorry we're going really deep is the fact that you know there is the idea history repeats itself and i think it does and it's it's interesting to hear you say that about ancestors because i've really been trying to talk to my parents more and especially my mom about her relationship with her parents Mm. and like what was happening there and i feel like dysfunction passes down from generation to generation right and the more you can learn about like your parents dysfunction with their parent Mm. like you start to see these patterns happening over and over and then it gives you the tools to like end that pattern and create a new pattern absolutely because it's just going to get perpetuated from generation to generation and it's isn't it's that funny weird it's how like, that happens? Exactly. And I love how you went from, you know, history repeating itself to like a, a personal repeat because it's both. Yeah. You know, so it happens in this sort of global societal way. Mm-hmm. And it also happens for us as individuals. Mm-hmm. I know. And so I think both because I've been thinking about it on a personal level, like, how did she feel? What did she do? You know, um, and I know, and she was a, I mean, a woman, obviously, and living in a time when women had even more struggles than they have now. But also there were some of the same 
issues that we're confronting now around, you know, like xenophobia and racism and, um, well, yeah, especially with world war two. And after that, you know, I was, it's just, Oh so yeah. I wonder, it, through the sixties, through and the sixties, like I, I know more about how my mom responded and my dad responded to those situations, but I wonder what she was thinking and feeling and what she was trying to do or wasn't trying to do in her own life. I don't know. Um, It's trippy though. And alarming. I think how similar things are now. It's like, we talk about 2018 and how bad things are right now, Mm -hmm. but I was at a party recently with like mostly people who are older than me and I ended up talking to a guy who grew up in LA in South Central a white guy he's you know a designer and you know works in the arts and that kind of thing now Mm -hmm. and he was like yeah I grew up in South Central and I lived through the Watts riots and it was like this and where I went to school it was like that and you know, this is what, how people were thinking and LA was so racist and no, no, no. And then I think about my upbringing, you know, 20 years after his in LA in the eighties and, and the uprising and the riots and Rodney King. And so he went through it in Watts and I went through it and, you know, the Rodney King era. And I'm like, and then now I'm looking at my child and what my child is that's the really hard yeah. thing. That's been a really hard thing about this era and like the Trump era for me is like as a parent, I never imagined that this is the type of environment that, that you'd be having a child in. That, yeah. And having to like look at this child and be like, okay, this is how I experienced XYZ at that age. And I don't want to repeat that for him. Mm-hmm. So like, how do I do that? And how and wow i can't believe how (laughs) we're still in it here Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's interesting it's challenging and yeah there is a part of the huge part of me that's like i wish my i could talk to my grandmother um and talk to other people that came before me about how it felt and how they made decisions and whether or not it maybe would it be okay mm-hmm. like is it going to be okay i think it is going to be okay <laughs> i think it's going to be okay too. but just in a different way than you think it will right that's you know what thing. i mean like i feel like things will shake out to a place where everything is different and there's been lots of changes but ultimately it's okay or we'll just die really suddenly. And that would be okay, too. A little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. You know, you <laughs> yeah. never know. You never know. Um, so meditation could be good, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think my grandmother meditated. But I you wonder if know. she did, like, acid in the 60s. I don't think so. She was pretty... She didn't know what sex was on her wedding night. Have I ever told you that? No. That's the big thing that like wilded me out. I think Wait, I only learned that. She didn't know. Like what, she didn't understand. About like what reproduction no, was. Because proper people didn't talk about like. Sex. What happened. Yeah. Like when a man was with a woman. So she didn't know like where babies came from. No. <laughs> I'm going to have to say. How old was she when she got married? probably like you know in her early 20s so she was just like their kids around (laughs) love them love their spirit well do you know what i was told as a child what 
that when a man and a woman really love each other, mm-hmm. God wills for them to have a child. And I was like, oh, okay, so you just have to like really love someone and be like with the right person, God willing. Mm-hmm. And then it just, you know, it's like immaculate conception. Yeah. Basically, that was my, the story <laughs> of where babies came from <laughs> that I was raised on until fourth grade when I had sex ed inside of a church, P.S. Yeah. Oh my God. My mom read me a book. But I remember she was kind of laughing and then I was laughing and I didn't understand that a vagina had like a hole in it, essentially. (laughs) So I just thought, I thought that you had a baby out of your butt until I was like... (laughs) came out of your belly button yeah i was just like oh my god because then i would see these pictures i got a book that was like the miracle of child this is reminding me i have to go over this with my child and i would just look through all these photos and just be like whoa and i was just like the only thing i could think of that would expand that much was your butt so i was like <laughs> i was like oh my god like so many babies are just like coming out of butts like that's crazy <laughs> and then i feel like then i learned what a vagina was but what See, i didn't know that i had a vagina either it's so confusing yeah it's and really that day confusing. in church i'm telling you i was like blown away <laughs> i was blown away and i was like that's just not possible and of course there was no mention of like it potentially feeling good so i was yeah, like it's so weird that like no one ever everyone, tells you about any sort of like pleasure aspect of sex and they use the word insert a lot and that just sounds like so clinical and like they called the penis in the book my mom read it was like spongy it was like a soft sponge and we both like couldn't handle it it was described as a it soft was a described as a Ooh. sponge that then i didn't think i don't want to know what kind of penises that author has been feeling <laughs> So many spongy penises. It's not a word that's ever come to mind no, for me when really describing bad a penis. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have to go home and do so much sex at it with my child. Ugh. So just another deep journey to go on. That's another one, yeah. And a boy too. I have a couple like, books for him. And we also, of course, did C is for consent. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm, that's good. Yeah. yeah I mean, you gotta lay those eggs while they're young. Oh my gosh, it's like the responsibility of raising a white man in 2018 is just so heavy. Well, that's the other thing. It's like I think about my life sometimes and I'm like, what should I do with my life? Like, what should my career be? What am I, what am I aiming for? And then I'm like, if all I goddamn do is raise a non rapist, non white supremacist white man, mm-hmm. I'm You've kind done of like something really great doing my service to society here. Yeah. And maybe you're having another history repeats itself like a grandma moment where once the kids are out of the house then <laughs> mom is going to ibiza mama goes to ibiza the problem is, is that Ibi- you know well that's there's not probably the an, a mcdonald's in ibiza now yeah no you have to find there's a mcdonald's new, everywhere you have to find the new ibiza i think we just have to abolish mcdonald's mm-hmm. do you think that we're gonna get you know negative feedback for that sorry if they're mcdonald's no, I talked lovers about this out on there. the other episode because kanye west said his favorite restaurant was mcdonald's that's so kanye and oh. i was just like okay like i know that you love like the branding and stuff but like it's not <laughs> you're really into their graphic design you're really into their graphic design and like what they've done with the brand is pretty cool but like from just like a food perspective poor I'm just, kanye like, not here for it poor kanye the yeah. beats are still good though 
the, the be- beats are still strong. The music is still good. And I'm like into dinner. the Yeezys. Oh. I've had a real problem buying those shoes. You did have a pair of Yeezys. I know. You, do you still have them? They were the white ones, They're the right? white ones. I'm getting them clean now because I wore them in Joshua Tree, which was so dumb. That is the worst. It's the worst. White Yeezys in Joshua Tree? Laura. I know. I know. I know. It was Fired. Like babe moment. Fired. But this is how I am when I like a shoe. I did this when I was little. I wore Doc Martens to like a water park once. And I was like, this is cool like i love these shoes and then they like got ruined so i'm just like a chronic don't wear the right shoes to the right locations but they're always good shoes they're always good shoes that's the part that counts but i also got another pair of yeezys i have two so how much are they I don't, I can't say. It was a real Are they $1,000? No, they're not $1,000. Oh I don't God. know. I don't know things. No. I'm out of touch. One pair was 200 Oh, that's okay. And the other pair... I mean, it's not okay, but no. it's okay the on the scale standard. of not so okay. So I spent $500 on Yeezys, just like full disclosure. I know that it's a problem. I've I'm spent not, money on really dumb things. Yeah, I'm not proud of it, and I'm admitting it here to like, just like moon voice shoes. it out loud and I spend money myself. on moon shoes. It's really embarrassing. Oh, yeah. It's worse than Yeezys. Actually... It might be bad. I'm trying to reroute my live, laugh, spend moments when I feel like, do you ever just get like, I like will go into like almost like a seizure state where I'm like, I have to buy something. Like, do you know that feeling? It's just a feeling that is like, I do fueled by insecurity and a need to self soothe with something that's not going to soothe you. And I totally, of course I understand that feeling. Are you kidding me? I'm immediately just like, I feel less happy. But at least oh. I have this thing. But I that's kn- why I only buy crystals. Well, yeah. So I've d- I've gone down that road. <laughs> but then now I had a thought where I was like, okay, if I the next time I have an urge to like buy a pair of Yeezys, I'm going to redirect that to just like buying a pack of fitness classes or something. Because mm. maybe mm. that in the long run is helpful. I don't know. I'm really trying to get a handle on my like spending, which is not. It's just like. The Yeezys All were irresponsible, us. but like also, I'm not, not here to shame you about your Yeezys because I think that that's to great. Shame myself, but like, I recently listened to Susie Ormond did like an Oprah podcast. Oh God, I need to go back to Susie Ormond. Susie is life. Can I know. You just like connect on Susie. Yes, because women really, really, really need financial independence and so freedom. I bought her, or someone wishlisted me her book women and money okay i started reading it it's really good Mm -hmm. and Susie tells it like it is and she is not afraid to like real talk rail you it's true she calls people she calls you the fuck out yes and she said a like i'm only in like the first chapter but she was talking about women's relationship with money and as they get older and such a huge percent of homelessness is older women after 65 and i didn't know that and then i was like driving from therapy around downtown la and then i was seeing all these older women and then i was just like i just saw one on the way here yeah and i was like shook to my core and then i was like i need to like be getting it together because with my yeezy spending that's why i mean i give homeless people money a lot even if they're gonna spend it on booze or drugs or whatever i don't care and also you don't know if they are no i mean i i don't know if this is a controversial stance but in my situation where i have a little bit of flexible extra especially if it's a woman especially if it's a black person because black people are unbelievably disproportionately affected 
by homelessness, you know, like, I'm just like, yo, I don't know what your situation is, but I could have just as easily turned out in yours. Yeah, it can happen. And that's a thing too, where you realize like that kind of financial situation can happen to anyone. And right and now in LA, so, oh my God, right now in LA, but like, and I grew up with a lot of privilege as well. I mean, obviously, but I remember just thinking like when I moved out of uh, my dad's house and like went off to college thinking like, oh, well, like at least like I know for a fact, like I'll never be homeless, like blah, blah, blah. And then slowly but surely I was like, oh, that could 100% happen. And like, and that is a threat to anyone at any time. And I think especially like marginalized communities. And yes, it's like, it's trans truly, people. Yeah. So many, so, so many people in the trans community. Back to Susie. Susie and financial <laughs> independence for women. But it's like that. And I feel like people don't grow up with tools in that Nobody's way. Nobody's taught that. It's just no like no one that tells that you that sex feels good. And no one tells you how to like take care of money. Yeah. Like, I know. No, pay, exactly. No one tells you like how to. And I'm like. Is it the institution just built so that like white men take care of other white men yes. and they just don't have to like worry about that stuff? 100%. It's crazy. It's horrible. They the, like grow all the up knowing are built how that to way. come and save money. <laughs> and everyone else is like, where's my orgasm? I'm broke. Oh my God. That part, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Thank you. Can we get that on a t-shirt? Where's, where's my, my orgasm? orgasm? I'm broke. <laughs> Together now. <laughs> oh my God. It's so true. Yeah. So Susie, I'm a fucking Susie head. I'm here I'm all for, for her. that. Like she is a no nonsense. It's like know your rights for money. Yeah, totally. And the more like, it's so funny because I'm think still back, working on all this too. Oh, I mean, it's, I'm a constant work in progress. <sighs> I've had some even more recent missteps, Can I which we won't, won't detail right now. They were worse than moon juice <laughs> so and Yeezys. I have, um, I've had some like accounting drama as of late and I, you know, I've thought about going back and getting my CPA. You should. Why not? Just so that I can deal with my own money better. That's good to have. It sounds so boring. Debits, though. credits, liabilities. All of those things. Exactly. QuickBooks, like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. I could be like a QuickBooks ninja. Yeah. I'm not that bad at it. It's Once I understand what the terms are and know like how to do it. Too, especially with business stuff. It's so confusing. And Is like, it like a cost of materials that's not saleable or a cost of... Well, uh, uh, oh yeah, because I mean, with retail, that's uh, like a whole different beast. Nightmare. Not sad about not being in that business anymore. I know. I'm like starting to get into that, like doing like a little e-commerce moment, and I'm like, okay, this is like a whole other thing. But I'm capitalism excited. is such a bitch. It's such a bitch, and also American cat. Like the American way is like purposefully complicated to just like price everyone out, except for like a gross white man in a suit. It's so complicated. It's like, where do we go? Not Ibiza. But then I look at the map and I'm like, we're living on stolen land. Where do I go? And I'm like, England? What? No, Brexit. <laughs> I'm just like, where do we go? Where, where do we go? Sweden. Okay. But it's so dark. Sweden. But then in the summers, it's really light. I know. I'm thinking about, I like have found a little cluster of islands 
in Norway that seems really I have a friend appealing. who moved to Norway. Really? Yes. I'm like dying to just like get off the motherfucking grid and like go up to Norway. I think you that, should go visit her. Yeah. I think Scandinavia is the journey. She is Norwegian by blood, but she's American. She grew up here mm-hmm. and she, you know, she was, she's an artist and she was like, I'm out. I'm going to Norway. Chic. Yeah. And she has this like chic, cute, boyfriend who's actually british i think randomly Mm -hmm. but they're happy and living their best lives in norway love maybe i will maybe like a 2000 i need to make my a 2019 vision board oh my god and i've never made a vision board either but i really want to yeah i know people who do okay we maybe we could do it together yeah ashley graham said on gwyneth's podcast that she made a vision board (sighs) and it really inspired me to make my own vision board which involves me going back to germany or just going to germany because i've never been there to find my route to find like relatives that share my name and then just kind of do like a trip up to scandinavia i think i mean I was going to move to Berlin after I graduated from NYU. That was part of, that was a plan. Mm-hmm. It, what happened? I think I didn't have any money. And you're like cold. And I was like, <laughs> also, how will I make money in Berlin? And I also, I still did- make money in Berlin. I feel like everyone in Berlin just works at like a bookshop and then like raves. Wrong yeah. or right? Yeah. I think that that wasn't like the trajectory I was looking for post-graduate. I was like, that's just a little bit too random for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I wish, but I want to go back. Mm -hmm. You have time. You're about to be in like, in what? Like 10 or 15 years you'll be in. (laughs) And just a cool cool decade or so. I'm going to be. I will go by fast. Empty nester. Really fast. I'm really facing my age these days too. It's like, (laughs) you know, things just go by in a blink. And the next thing you know, it's like Ian and I need to start thinking about what we want to do with our empty nests. Yeah, you absolutely do. And where the nest will be. And where the nest will be. What international locale (laughs) you'll be jetting off to. What crumbly house. What crumbling farmhouse. Yeah. I know. Goats on the farmhouse. No, there were no goats or chickens or there might have been chickens. I mean, it was like there were also adjacent other crumbling mm-hmm. farmhouses. Yeah, it was and- just like a little community of crumbles <laughs> <laughs> amongst the lavender and sunflower fields, yeah. which mm-hmm. were amazing. That's like my favorite thing is like just like crumbling glory <laughs> and nature. It's kind of this apartment so a little bit is like a little bit crumbly in some ways perfectly place, crumbly and then plants i love it i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wait, can we go back, though, to your grandma not knowing about sex? Because that we did, I didn't get like the full picture. All I know is it's one of those statements about the history of my family that I've like been passed down. Like 
I mean, you know, your grandmother didn't know what sex was when on her wedding night. And it's like not explained further. Like, it's just like, because I don't think it was probably, I mean, maybe my grandmother just shared that with my mom at some point in a mm-hmm. way where she didn't think that hundreds of thousands of babe listeners would ever know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really like thinking about what might have how that might have happened for her because it doesn't sound it doesn't sound great it doesn't sound fun like uh, having a crash course like figuring out what it is and then potentially <laughs> having to do it in the it's same p- window right. is a lot that's a lot of pressure right i want to know from the readers did you have grandparents with similar sexual experiences <laughs> because i'm like i think that maybe that's also just the story of um that womanhood before yeah. like 1960 is like at some point in your life a man just tried to stick their dick in you and you didn't know what was going on yeah and it wasn't about you and everyone was like no one told you that that was gonna happen but it had happened you were to traumed. literally everyone before exactly. you. exactly and it was just like this is what it, you here, don't even have it. this is what we do it's just like someone looks at you and they're like just a nod oh i watched this weird show the borgias do you remember when that came out it was like a weird like um what was that on i don't know i just watched it on the computer and what led you to the show (laughs) my husband he's weird he'll watch anything in any case it's like a historical drama yeah but about like um oh it's not about the medicis but it's about the borgias i think it was like around the same time and they were like a corrupt church involved catholic italian noble family Mm -hmm. and it's about all that drama anyway like all movies and tv there's a lot of sex scenes in which the woman's like not having fun Mm -hmm. that's like the main that's what we see right Mm -hmm. um but (laughs) there's just like and there's this woman this princess or whatever got like married to some guy and she has to have sex with him every night. And I think she like counts the pumps or something. It was so dark. And I was just like, oh my God, this is it. Yeah. This is the legacy of womanhood. I feel like maybe in like 20 or 30 years, people will finally like appreciate a woman's body and like her autonomy with her body and like, respect not anatomy autonomy did you hear that (laughs) (laughs) but like because i I think now i'm like okay well at least there's like some sort of sexual transparency that's happening there's so much more information out there There's way more information but there's also still tons of like rape and so that's unchill and like also just like rape adjacent situations also unchill so like when are we going to get to this evolved point where it's like, hey, I'm equal to you and like where men we, don't do that to us? Yeah. Where if we want to have sex, we'll go and have sex and we'll I feel try like and that's have on men, right? Pleasure. Yeah. I it's, mean, it has to be. It has to be on men to figure that out. It might happen for some men in I feel like it's like 20 years away. I feel like this young, your child's generation has to grow up to adults. I mean, I don't know. It might take longer than 20 years. TBD. But that's insane. To think that women have come from a place of like not even knowing what sex is to then like knowing what it is in a really bad way. And then when will it be just like... I know. Chill, fun, lols, orgasm. 
I mean, I feel like I've been lucky in that regard, but I just, I still remember that day in church, you know, when that mom who was like a Catholic nurse practitioner, like told us what sex, sexual intercourse was. And I was like, that just, how is that possible? That just sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, we're gonna we're gonna move past it. We're gonna spread the good word. Yeah. What are the books like for children now about sex? Well, so my son has this one that's a little bit more it's not abstract because it is literally like little sperm swimmers and mm-hmm. like it's kind of like an and not animated, but yeah, sort of like, you know, illustrated thing of like with bodies but not like a ton of the parts and Mm -hmm. it just tells it a more like sort of like broad brush strokes and then we have this other one that i haven't introduced that i need to that's like this is the science mechanics behind it this is the whole thing yeah and i told i had this thing i told myself that i had to do this before he started second grade i did start Mm mm-hmm Cause I'm like, if I don't do it now, he's just going to, he's going to learn out. it from like other kids. Yeah. yeah. And he might already. And so, but I think there's a lot, I mean, I have a friend, a very close friend with three daughters. And so she, and she was always a very well-informed young woman. We've known each other since we were five. Mm-hmm. And so she is endeavoring on raising these three young women and doing so in a way that makes sure that they know their power. And so she mostly coaches me on how to coach my son. Yeah. With these, she told me about C is for consent. I love that. I mean, I think sharing information, talking about physical boundaries and like, and like what you said, autonomy, Mm -hmm. like, and being not like, and breaking down the, like, go give somebody a hug and kiss and sit on their lap. And it's like, no, like you really just don't have to at all. Mm hmm. And it's not impolite. Yeah. It's just like, you don't have to share your body. No. You have power and you have the choice of whether you give your body to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I know. Breaking it even down to the like sitting on laps and stuff. Well, and that's where it starts because I think that in subconscious ways, you're mm -hmm. feeding children the idea that like they have to do something Mm -hmm. that might involve physical touch yeah that might not be what they want in that moment but they're supposed to just like eat it do it Mm -hmm. you know and i think that goes and it absolutely goes across gender like it's important to not make boys do that stuff too yeah so many things so many things the to-do list is so long (laughs) it's never ending so long do you and your husband like agree on like how to talk about sex with Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I, that we as a like parenting team have been really lucky because basically our child was born and at the beginning I would be like, I kind of think we should do this. And he'd be like, I don't know. And I'd be like, "Mm, I kind of think we should do this. And he'd be like, I don't know. And then one time I did something and it worked really well. And then he never questioned me ever again. I love that. (laughs) So that's soothed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, we're very, I mean, it's, but it's not just my way or the highway. It's a lot of conversation and it's it's about all the things like where, where you 
like, where do we live? Where are we going to raise him? Where is he going to go to school? What's the school going to look like? What's talking about sex going to look like? What's talking about religion going to look like? Mm -hmm. Um, What's talking about sports going to look like? It's actually, there's a lot of territorial stuff with like sports and like other things in our household. Cause I'm from Los Angeles. Yeah. And my husband's from the Bay area and that's naturally an inferior zone geographically, but <laughs> I would never talk about that. It's just that Northern Californians have this thing where they like need to always talk about how it's better. Yeah. And the golden state warriors, you know, oh, that's yeah, like a like, huge thing in our house. Okay. Which is hard for me as someone who grew up as a Lakers fan. Um, I'm like, you're now just speaking like a full blown different language from me because I'm just like sports. Like what? I know. I actually don't know anything about sports. But but still, it's just like, it's a little bit of, you know. Yeah. We have to, we have, we negotiate these things. Mm -hmm. And how to like give music. Music. So wait, would there be like, it's like how, what, what team is your son gonna like identify with most well i never even is, thought is that, that that could be like a bump in the road to get over but it definitely no it's would just be. it's it's more like a amusing sense of like rivalry mm-hmm. because maybe because they identify gender wise you know my husband and my son are like really into like their thing and like mm-hmm. they watch their sports together with their teams you know what i mean yeah and I have to give it to them. That's cute. Because it's like, I don't really want to watch sports that badly. No, I would actually be glad to have a kid so that whoever I had a kid with like had someone to watch sports with. I mean, my husband is like kind of a recovering sports guy. Like Mm -hmm. he's both. Yeah. You know, he's not. And he doesn't do football anymore. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. I'm ready for football to go far, far away. I know. What name one good thing about football? I'll wait. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's truly not a single good thing about football. I don't like it. It's bad. Football is the one of the biggest. I was going to say, like right of, here on Babe Podcast. Yeah, I still don't understand how it goddamn works. I mean, I have some broad strokes on it, but it's confusing. I grew up going to football games every weekend because both of my parents went to (laughs) OU. So they're like hardcore sooner. So I would get dragged to football games, just like sit in the cold with like warm packs and gloves and be like, it's like "Mm." the worst part of America surrounded rape culture at the 50 yard line, like surrounded by just like oldie sooner fans. I learned pretty much all the cuss words I know from them, like just screaming <laughs> like, Oh, fuck you. Like all the shit. And I'd be like, ah! and then like pray for halftime to come so that I could just like leave with my mom and go ride bicycles or something. The and it head took injuries. 30 years to put together how a football game worked. And I probably it takes too long. Yeah. It's so long. It takes too long. The head injury element. The There's rape so culture, many other things the on the to-do list. Element. Oh my god! I know the whole thing is just like so corrupt and awful. I mean, the only good thing about football is the thing that the institution of football is opposed to, which is Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, he's the he's, one good. He's thing the good about thing about football. football. I love that Rihanna said no to the Super Bowl. Also, Maroon Five. I know you're listening. You need to not do the Super Bowl. Yeah, WTF? Okay. I am like, so horrified. Let's also, like just back up though, because 
who else would be so perfect for the Super Bowl? <laughs> like Maroon 5 plus Super Bowl makes so much sense. It makes me so sad for Maroon 5 because I'm like... Are you God. Maroon 5 head? I mean... You love that one song. I am a Maroon 5 head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to disclose... They've had some They've had I'm some not going to disclose my whys or wherefores. <laughs> <laughs> on babe podcast in this very moment but maroon five babe 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 i'm a little it's like how do they get like kendrick and fucking cardi b and all of these dope people and then they're like we're just gonna sign up to be like racist with the super bowl like it's off brand it's bad it's br- it's horrible but also it's like but I predictable like, and like there's such yeah. like an arena whatever mm-hmm. i have no perspective on them who played the super bowl last year no clue i can't remember either i don't pay attention to these things who cares like anymore <sighs> not me not me i never cared i love like i mean i hate super bowl whatever but i love like maroon five is like the go-to <laughs> and they're like hell yeah this is super bowl Blah. it's like just like I feel like it would be Bruno Mars, but even Bruno Mars is like too cool for that. Yeah. Bruno's like, no thanks. He's like, I'm five foot two. (laughs) I know. So short. Teeny little guy. But he knows how to rock. And people love him. And people love him. I'm not talking shit. Some Bruno Mars songs make me happy. I'm, you know, like... And kids love him too. I don't seek out Bruno Mars, but I'm like he's not number one. I never. But I'm would, like Bruno Mars is there. I'm not mad at Bruno. Mars. No, I'm like here for him, just like doing his thing. And I'm like, more here for Rihanna. I'm but, way here for Rihanna. Ugh. I wish someone would throw like a huge concert on the same night as the Super Bowl and like broadcast it on like a, a competing channel that was like the anti Super Bowl, we where it was like that. Rihanna, Beyonce. Oh, like just get anti Super Bowl, anti Super Bowl. I feel like Beyonce and Jay Z need to go harder and lean harder into their like against the man stance, yeah, and like you know sponsor the anti Super Bowl. Yeah, let's just like and I it need... could be like no sports, only like drill teams. Yeah, like a drill team competition mm-hmm. with like all of the best music. Yeah live live and then in between drill team competitions there's like a performance right by exactly a major artist exactly i think we could get mariah carey to absolutely come. um who i would else? love who else would be the anti-super bowl hmm gaga gaga would be down for sure yeah she could play some star is born tracks bradley cooper could come out with her and sing and dance and dance isn't he he can dance can he i didn't he dance in um in silver start. linings playbook was that oh him? yeah he did dance like he can dance he could dance um he could do some training get something together yeah who jump up with a drill team for the anti-super bowl <laughs> diana ross obviously yeah 100 percent. she actually has to be like the center like she's like queen of anti-super bowl yeah she is like the and final Tracy Ellis performance Ross, obviously and would tracy be, like, Ross would in be piece, into the like, anti-super bowl a million gowns mm-hmm. we do a red carpet yeah a whole red carpet a whole red carpet probably lil wayne lil wayne definitely uh, cardi yeah she, well is see, she the, doing the super bowl 
is she? No, you said like, I don't oh, they, know. Any she news. was on that track. Okay. Some girls or something. Oh, I don't is know. Is that the name? There's... I don't keep up with Maroon 5, but. I know. Only I do. Cardi could, I mean. They'd look. have to, but I feel like Beyonce has like a Nicki Minaj alliance. Okay. Well, then Nicki can do the anti-Super well, I'm Bowl. I'm team Cardi. But... I'm team Cardi in a huge way. Oh, cheers. Yeah. Cheers. I'm fully here for Cardi B. I was always a little bit on the fence about Nikki. I really liked the, her, but I just don't like the way that she's like, com- she like comes, comes for, for people. everyone. I know. And it's really it's unbecoming. Tedious. It's like, it's like, you're so successful, so rich. Your music is really good. There's no reason to be like hating on all these people. It makes you look really like petty, petty and having like zero gratitude back to gratitude and we're in a gratitude age we're in an attitude of gratitude i'm grateful for this experience yeah i'm I'm grateful grateful to have you here for babe i'm really grateful for babe i'm grateful for the readers i'm grateful for the readers too yeah i'm grateful for the anti-super bowl have you ever thought about having like a babe live event yeah, I've, Do you have a sense of where the majority of the babes are? I think the majority, there's a lot of babes in NYC. And I've gotten okay. a lot of like NYC requests, like from readers. You've got to go out to NYC I know, and do I need like to a live do cast. A whole, I need to do a whole New York trip where I pod with a bunch of like NYC East Coasters. Potters. Yeah. And then like do a live show and like do like basically like a press trip for myself. Just like send myself on tour to New York. I mean, I think it's important. I think it's important too. I hate that it's like winter for the next five months there. Now is the perfect time to plan for April, which is yeah, hit or miss. That's true. But, you know, not not a total icy. horrible like February death. Exactly. Zone. Yeah. And Lord knows we all need some Susie Ormond time to save up those pennies for oh, I New need, York City. I need Susie just like in my ear always. I know. Being I really need to go me. back to Susie. Yeah. I challenge all the readers to read Susie's book, Women, Women and, and Money. Money. Yeah. It's that's on my shelf. And it's an easy, like, it's a kind of read. Her tone is just really good. She's a good writer. She's I mean, fucking, if Oprah trusts her. Yeah. I'm in. Susie. And I like that she spells it Suze, which I, I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's the best part. I Suze. thought it was Suze until maybe a week ago when I listened to her on the podcast. And I was like, oh, it's Suze. interesting i learn a lot i I live in my own world and then learn things here and there i hear that (laughs) me too should we do some reader mail let's do some reader mail i want to know what the readers are thinking oh my god they're thinking so much this one says babe emergency oh Longtime reader and also love Sexy Unique podcast and Saving Sex in the City 3. It just occurred to me not two minutes ago that I might be babing the fuck out. I either need some serious advice or just to tell someone my babeness, which is a total babe move within itself. My boyfriend of six years broke up with me five months ago, and it has been really difficult to get over. To dull the pain, I've been sleeping around like crazy. Last (laughs) month, I met a guy who came over and stayed long after pounding my ass. We talked for hours, and it was really sweet. It felt nice connecting emotionally with a man after my five months of only letting them in physically. It's become a regular thing. The other day, we went out to dinner, and he told me he had a crush on me. Is it bad that I'm going along with the charade because he could be the t- potential rebound that I really need to help get over my ex? Or am I a monster for toying with a perfectly nice guy's feelings? P.S. Please don't use my real name. 
babe. Wow, that's a hard one. I know. But I feel like you kind of like him a little bit. I feel like babe might be in the zone where she's like... It's a he. Oh, babe he. Sorry. We should always announce pronouns, P.S. Yeah. That's a good... Elizabeth, she, her. Mm-hmm. Hers. Lara Marie, she, Shane Halls. Hers. <laughs> <laughs> Lara Marie, okay, Shane so, Halls. Yeah. Whew. That's hard. It's like you want to enjoy it. I can't gauge where this babe is in terms of his emotional availability. Yeah. It sounds like... Sounds like the availability is pretty low. TBD. But open. Low but open. To this specific person. This specific ass pounder. And I feel like he maybe needs to think about three to six to 12 months from now Mm -hmm. and think, do I like the idea of having this person in my life in those zones or am I thinking about six months from now and feeling like I'd really like to be on my own periodically slutting out to satisfy needs? Yeah. That's great advice. Is it? I think so. Yeah. I never think about like, the three to six to 12 months from now challenge. Well, okay. So at, I'm completely out of the game, obviously, because mm-hmm. I'm long time committed. But for my friends who are single and are dating and sometimes are with people who they like or even maybe love, but aren't really, sh- you know, it's hard. Commitment is a really serious thing. Mm-hmm. And it's about compromise. And so there is a big part. It's about giving of yourself. And it's like, are you in a place where you're ready and willing to be giving of yourself for the foreseeable future in a way that you can respectfully, you know, translate or like communicate to that person? Yeah, I'm here for this. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, if you're like, mm, I really don't want to like walk down that path of like, what's next then maybe it would be the nicer thing to do to just be like i like you but this isn't going somewhere more committed Mm -hmm. yeah and maybe that the person on the other end is like great i like having a crush on you fucking you and being not committed yeah and then you're both then you're psyched great but you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah think about it but then it also sounds like maybe you're like open to more than just a pounding. That's what it kind of sounds like. And maybe the question. And maybe a little scared too, because obviously. And getting, that's what the babing out is about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about that like, oh, it's, I kind of like this person too. And like, maybe I am ready for this, but I don't know. Yeah. And I think like the rampant, like all having that amount of sex afterwards is like a great way to take your mind off of the fact that your heart has been like broken into a million pieces. But then also it has only been five months since the breakup happened. It's not a long time, but it's not a long time to like get over a six year long relationship. The thing is, is that people do really, if you're a relationship person, you do relationships like that. Yeah. It's very possible. And it doesn't mean there'll be anything wrong with that subsequent relationship. Mm -hmm. As long as you're taking care of yourself and maybe what the internal work you need to be doing about that past relationship. Yeah. And I don't know what that's like. Cause honestly, I was only ever with somebody for like a year before my husband. Mm -hmm. And I was like really young. Yeah. That's weird. I think I'd kind of be soothed to be a man. 
You'd have to really worry about a lot less. I'd mostly have to worry about how to grow a dick. Yeah. I, if I was a man, I would just want like a huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think as a woman, it seems like it would be really fun to have a dick. It would be fun to have a dick. I think, but like the logistics of where a dick goes, like when it's not in use kind of baffles me. Like, I feel like it would be uncomfortable mm. to just have a big thing. Like and a bulge. Like a bulge with like your dick and your balls. Like you basically have a fifth appendage. Yeah. Just like sponging around. You I would probably from like one side of the seam to the other. But I feel like I would just do boxer briefs. Yeah. So it's all packed in. Just a little support. Yeah. I don't think I would want a free like. I never understood the boxer situation. Like, what is the point of a boxer? Exactly. Your dick can come out of, like, flop out one side of a boxer. Or down the leg. Is it just only a sheer shield. cloth that shields it from actually touching the other cloth that you're wearing? We're not going to talk about this, or maybe we are. <laughs> but it also deeply grosses me out that guys just, like, dribble. Oh, like when they pee yeah like guys don't do wipe themselves off. yeah and then that's just like dribble on the boxers dribble on the whatever how do you think women get utis from their dirty dribble dicks dirty <laughs> dribble dicks <laughs> also like the sweat factor of like a ball dick the ball combo. sweat ball sweat is like so not my jam i know some people that love ball sweat they're admitted <sighs> ball sweat lovers and i don't relate <laughs> no comment um but to just put a cap on the just to wrap to up the babe's crisis if you are feeling nervous like because i understand the thought of like oh what if i shut this person down and then no one else pops up mm. there's gonna be a ton of other people that pop up that have crushes on you this is just one of like literally a thousand so maybe you just need to like meditate and keep on butt pounding Oh, I love a meditate butt pound. Oof. Dear Lara and guest, Lara, my queen, love the podcast and can't thank you enough for the abundant supply of laws. Your last pod with Graydon when discussing old high school crushes brought back some adolescent memories like a brick through a window. I grew up in a suburban town just outside of Cleveland. So as you can imagine, not the ideal setting for a gay boy with intense unrequited crushes on countless straight boys. I'm now 30 out and proud in New York, living with a boyfriend, but I still think about one particular high school crush on random occasions. His name was Matt, smoking hot soccer star, and I had such a wild crush on him, I look back and cringe thinking about the crazy things I pulled. We'd been good th friends through high school over the years, but once I realized I was having feelings for him, I began acting out in some serious babe ways. I remember getting so mad if he began talking to girls or would hang out with mutual friends without me. I would literally go crazy, call his cell, call his house, make up excuses or lies, anything to get attention from him. I always thought he might have had some mutual feelings for me. One time he kissed me when wasted and I literally just about died, but nothing more than that. I remember one time pissing him off because I started menacing drama with his girlfriend and he didn't talk to me for like a week. I remember sobbing, feeling absolutely gutted, and I truly don't know if I've ever had such a raw emotional reaction to love like that since. It's important to note that today I'm truly happy, living, laughing, and lolling, but every now and then I think of him and I can't help but feeling unsettled. He now lives in Arizona with a child, not the brightest bulb in the shed. We're not friends other than Facebook, but I'm so mortified for the way I acted back then. 
I feel embarrassed as I'm sure everyone could see then that I had such a crazy crush on him. Another strange thing is that our parents are still friends. So I always feel so awkward seeing them and others that I was close to back then, whenever I go back home, maybe these feelings in conjunction with the pod ahead of Thanksgiving brought these insane memories back. But I just wanted to share and get your thoughts on how one should feel about these former babe moments. I mean, I feel you and I've literally been like a psycho to maybe every single person I've ever had a crush on. So like, <laughs> I don't know. I think you just have to like be like shrug and like, just like brush it off. Yeah. I mean, he probably was equally a psycho with somebody that you don't know about. I mean, I, I think what I'm hearing reflected though, is like, it's about like, the holidays, memory, yeah, memories, family of origin, mm-hmm. sort of like, and just like a, once one thing kind of pops up, and then the flood back of other moments, and like, I feel like when I was starting, when I wrote that article for Broadly about doing meth with my stepmom, it started me down a path of remembering lots of high school moments that I wasn't very proud of. And it was less about, it was like some babe relationships and like bad shit that happened, but then just all of like the drug use and dysfunction. And it was really overwhelming and like shameful, Mm. I guess. But like, I don't know, like a, like it's like releasing that shame like what because over time it gets better like once you're just kind of taking the band-aid off the wound it's like i think you have to forgive yourself you know Mm -hmm. like and maybe i mean i'm interpreting this note as something that's coming up that has more might have even more to do with other things than it does about this crush object yeah that you do have some valid humiliation about but you were a kid and it's like so natural and this guy probably doesn't think of it like that he's probably like I was a little bi curious and that was pretty fun. And now I'm boring with mm-hmm. my kid in Arizona. Like that's probably even like a positive memory for him. Like, remember how much that guy liked me? Yeah. That was amazing to feel like adored and mm-hmm. like whatever. And, you know, in terms of the shame element that Laura brought up, I really appreciate that. And I deal with shame. Everyone deals with shame. And, um, I get, you know, shame and guilt are really intertwined. And I think, and it's really easy to say, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty or you shouldn't feel ashamed. Like, don't. But it's like, how? Yeah. And I think part of it's just like forgiving yourself a little bit. Like, you know, it's like I forgive myself for being young and in the closet and having a crush on someone. There's actually nothing wrong with that. Like, think about that as if it were somebody else that you're friends with or something. Mm -hmm. And you would feel so compassionate towards that friend of yours. Like, oh, of course that happened. Like, you know, what a hard, you know, way to like come into your sexuality and like have this unrequited love and stuff. Um, Which I think that all of us need to like be that better friend to ourselves. Yeah. Um, it's not easy, but I don't know something I'm working on. Yeah. Being kind to yourself and having like sympathy for yourself in those situations. And I feel like sometimes you have to start by like forcing it and it'll sound really contrived and stuff. Cause whatever your thing that you feel ashamed of, you know, going to that thing and being like, you know what? 
you're okay. Like I'm friends with you still. Like if my friend did this thing, I would still be friends with that person and not think they were the worst person in the world, the way you think of yourself, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, really like rewriting that narrative. Yeah. I like the way you put it when it's like, I forgive you for being in the closet and like, it's like, that is so not your fault. Like, it's just like a way that you process and then accepting that that is like, that was part of your journey, but also, like what I hear is that you were a young gay man who really wanted love in his life. And yeah. guess what? You found it and you're living with a boyfriend yes. and you've like achieved that goal. And so thank God you identified those emotions at that age and we're able to like feel them and like eventually I think all of that led up to where you are now I mean literally that's not even something to be underestimated and you should be you know just like giving yourself a thousand high fives for that so So, you did the right thing yeah (laughs) in the most recent episode with Graydon a reader asked about your biggest rental slash living situation troll I just wanted to share a quick one from my college days A leasing company bought the amazing four-bedroom house we lived in and told us they wouldn't be allowing any current residents to renew their leases. This was a major troll since we lived in a college town and weren't planning on moving. Of course, all the chic spots were taken, so we were forced to rent a three-bedroom, one-bathroom house with no dishwasher and green shag carpeting. Fun. However, the real troll was our landlord, a creepy elderly man named Gordon. The first issue was with our trash. The trash cans were right in front of my bedroom window. Imagine my surprise on trash day when I heard a rustling by the trash can and saw the figure of a man. Gordon was in my front in front of my bedroom window digging through our trash can. Weird, but maybe he was looking for recycling or scrap metal. The second and more horrifying issue had to do with our laundry. After living there for a month or two, I realized some of my gap body thongs had gone missing. I asked my roommate if they maybe had them and they shared that they were both missing their gap body thongs. Gap body mesh thongs were a big staple of our college years. To our horror, we realized that since our washer and dryer were outside in the back of our house, creepy Gordon had been stealing all of our panties. Eek! Anyways, just wanted to chime in. Love the pod and can't stop saying journey all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's so so fucking horrible. Men are such trash. Trash. Oh my God. That is a really horrifying story, babe. I hate that. You know why? It's like you were three college girls and... Just like living together, buying this. I like that you all wore the same thong. Also, I deeply relate, though. To Gap Body. Well, I need to check out some Gap Body mesh. She said, and I think that she, well, she didn't identify her pronouns, but she, I believe so. Mm -hmm. Um, In any case, she said Gap Body mesh thongs. So mesh thongs were just a really important staple of my college years. I had them in every color, but Mm -hmm. I had them from Cosabella because I was spoiled. Mm -hmm. Those are good ones. I didn't know that Gap Body made mesh thongs more importantly, although I do have a good amount of Gap Body wear. Yeah. I do appreciate, I'm actually wearing a Gap Body bra right now. Oh my God. Yep. It's a real Gap Body moment. Mm-hmm. And hanky pankies. Oh, hanky pankies. I've like switched to hanky pankies. I've gone full airy or airy, whatever. Oh, that like. Eagles, like. Okay. Because in the last episode of the pod with Patty Negri, she said that the secret to Hollywood success is dark blue panties. Ooh. 
I like that. Yeah. And they make dark blue. And they make dark blue. So are they I cotton? Just, no. Are they mesh? They're me- some are mesh. Some are, they're all different kinds. Send they me have, a link. I'll send you a link and they have a great deal you like where them? it's like, I like them a lot. They're all really comfortable. And if you buy 10, they're like $3 each. So you can get some good deals on Soothe. there. Yeah. Highly recommend. Oh, wait. Did we answer her question? Um, <laughs> I think she, there wasn't a question. It was just a share. But I, I appreciate the gap bodiness of it all. And also, you men should I be less trash. Really wish. What? Is that Gap would re-release all their classic scents that they did. Oh, from like the 90s? Yes. That would like, be an There easy... was like, like a grass one, wasn't there? Grass. It was so good. I was I obsessed was... with grass. <laughs> no. That's such a white person thing to be oh like, I want to smell like the grass has been freshly cut on my lawn. <laughs> like that smells amazing. And I want to go to Gap and spend like $35.99 on Ooh, this perfume. Self-care moment. A lot of people don't think about scent yeah, as a sense. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I'm feeling a little down in the dumps, I need a soothing scent journey. Okay. What I do you find look it, to? I, well, I love Dies and Durga, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, like fun to go scent shopping in a limited way. So it's not overwhelming. I mean, you don't we want to like overwhelm your senses. Yeah. But to find a new scent is like to take a journey. It's kind of like running off to Ibiza, but in a bottle for $75. True. I really, I'm like less inclined, becoming less and less inclined to wear a scent because I find it to just be like overwhelming in some mm. cases, but I love like a room scent of mm. some sort. So I got or like an essential oil. Yeah. I got like really diffuser. into diffusers kind of like freak me out. Oh, but I like an incense moment. Mm, and I Palo found Santo. Palo Santo is really good. And I found, you know that Santa Maria novella? Yes. They have incense. It's so expensive. It's so expensive, but truly smells so good. Let me, I'm going to have you smell it. Okay. I need to. Um, yeah. But incense, like just getting into your I like just like, like a, journey mm-hmm. or like going out in nature to smell real grass. It's not a tree. Yeah. Cut by, the gap mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i think gap honestly i was like because i know their brand has suffered oh poor gap it's so confusing it's confusing but i really do think that gap should hire me as like a consultant to be like let's like infuse gap with some energy from the past and i'll tell you what worked for me hugely and i think for everyone were their sense i think that gaps tried to do that like a hundred times they, they tried to like really really they the like sense. hire new creative directors so they're, they're like always doing that but like this person is cool and they're gonna help us be cool and it's like so confusing it is too confusing. But I was I really such, think I, could do I was. It. I was a huge Gap head growing up. Oh my god, the eighties and nineties were just Gap. Remember when, like, my favorite Gap moments were always when they would release all their summer clothes, and it would oh. just be like a crazy rainbow of colors when you walked into Gap. It would be so exciting. Everything would be like fresh and buyable, like a capitalist dream haven in the mall, mm-hmm. and like uh, in the mall, and you'd I know. walk in and be like, mm. uh like just like. Want hot pink pink shorts and like an orange (laughs) tank top. All ready for summer camp. Yeah, it was like so bright. Yeah. And then like corduroys and like music. It was before 9 11 and the stock market crash. Gap was such a pre 9 11. Pre journey. Pre, pre. Yeah, I miss it. 
I would even shop at Gap Kids sometimes. Oh my gosh, no. I had a tank top from Gap Kids that I, I loved and I would wear my deep friends into and my I teens. would compete about Gap Kids outfits mm-hmm. because sometimes one of us got it in green and the other one got it in pink. Yeah. You, know? you couldn't get the same color as your friends. No, but you could get the same thing, yeah. but not the same color. Mm-hmm. Important. Um, and their commercials, I the know. khaki. Oh, I mean, they need Those help. were the years. I think like big gap, like sweatshirts with the gap logo on it could be cool again. Yeah. Maybe. Or finding a way. I maybe. don't know. I, don't I would know. love to like. It's hard. Be paid a lot of money to sit in a gap think tank. So if anyone <laughs> wants to offer me that job, I'll You're take here it. for it. I'm here for it. Me I'm open. too. I mean, that should have been my trajectory post collection. Yeah. Why didn't someone offer me a million dollars to do gap? But mm-hmm. well, you know. I'm putting young. that one out there too. Both Laura and I are available. Gap is on the vision board because <laughs> I feel like they have a lot of money to spend. Clearly, they're just like throwing it away. Oh my God. And I feel like we could whip them into shape pretty quickly. I know. I could work on their denim the game. Jeans, you, the jean element. I could completely do all the denim. Yeah. It would be so good. I'm Wait, so tell good the readers denim. really quick about your denim. Okay. So for years, I've had a vintage clothing store and brand called collection underscore LA on Instagram. If you want to check it out, it's in a sort of phase of evolution right now. Mm -hmm. So we're no longer brick and mortar, but I did have a specialty in uh, vintage denim and was quite known for it yeah. in some parts. And it was a lot of fun. I love jeans. I have a really good eye for jeans. You have a great eye for jeans. I've bought multiple pairs of jeans from fit. collection and they all fit like a charm. I know what jeans look good. I know what jeans look cheesy and not to buy them. I would never make someone look cheesy. No. It's a good thing. It's a great I don't know thing. if those are great audio bites regarding denim, but... It's out there. Yeah. And if you want to check it out, can they buy denim from you right now? Or is it so, on like a bit of a hiatus as the rebrand? Den- we're, as we're rebranding, we're moving into um, basically just spreading the good word mm-hmm. into like message shirts, etc. And okay. so right now, our first limited edition is the I'm Worth It shirt. Love, which is about claiming one's own essential worthiness for all things. Um, I think that growing up, that's not something I knew. I didn't really, I thought I had to work for it and prove it, you yeah. know? And so I'm worth it as part of kind of turning that on its head and just remembering that you are everything you need. I love. Hi, Lara. Long time lawler, first time caller. Can't believe I decided to get in touch purely to humiliate myself, but here I am. Just listened to the trilogy and worked up the courage to anonymously expose my brew tale. trilogy you know we need to have a sound effect for the trilogy it's gotta be like the trilogy i know i want to have like a i need to have like a movie poster made of the trilogy just noah running through the streets of florence (laughs) and white linen it's florence right it's florence and then in silver lake and then just like 
in a hometown. Just running through the stone streets of Venice <laughs> in white linen. I mean, Florence. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the trilogy, it's available Go on Patreon. Now. You should really get familiar because it's like an epic three-part brew tale. I don't know if a brew tale. It's a brew tale for the ages. It's a brew tale that spans oh. generations. It spans oh years. God. It's legendary. It's legendary. It's so many people know. <laughs> the setting, a boat at sea off the coast of Spain. The occasion, my honeymoon. My husband and I decided to rent a boat one afternoon on our honeymoon and have a little picnic at sea. We got some meats, cheeses, wine, and beer, then picked up our boat rental and headed off to sea. It didn't take long for heavy snacks, booze, and the churning ocean waves to make some waves of their own in my stomach. There was a brew on the way, and it couldn't be ignored. I wasn't really keen on a nautical brew journey, given that I was on my honeymoon, which was supposed to be romantic, but we just got out on the water. I didn't want to expose my emergency brew need to the boat rental company by docking 30 minutes after departure and running straight to a bathroom. I told my husband what was going on, and he encouraged me to take care of business in the ocean. Sorry, I'm over here dying. (laughs) Poor thing. The idea of the open ocean scares me because, (laughs) you know, sharks and mysteries. And I didn't want to just drop my bare ass into the ocean and let loose. But after 10 minutes. You off the side. You just put your butt over the side. Oh, a butt over the side? Yeah, I mean. I've spent a lot of time on boats. So you just poop off the side of the boat like that? You hang onto the ladder? Well, you can. But what if you brew splash onto the side of the boat? I don't know. I would be worried about like a release into the ocean, then it churns back. I up mean, into it's my been a face. long time since I've done this, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, like when I was like a kid, I spent a lot of time randomly sailing as a mm-hmm. child, and I- I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah, I love. Okay. <laughs> After ten minutes of deep internal conflict, I knew it had to be done. I told my husband to blast the music, head to the furthest end of the boat from the back ladder, and don't turn around till I say so. I proceeded to rush out a panic, fearful brew that so truly resembled giant Cheetos that I had to loll before quickly scrambling up the ladder back on board. I wouldn't let my husband turn around till my sea brew had sailed out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> You let your brew set sail. I love this. How, how, could she, how could she see it though in the water, like looking behind? I'm confused. It oh, it's a sea brew just floating out to sea. <laughs> it's like when a it's like when a sailor dies at sea, you re, you just like push him off the boat and send him on his way. And I that's really didn't did know that brew. this was going to be part of my day to day, and I'm grateful <laughs> that it is. This concludes the honey brune journey. I feel the need to give a special shout out to the worst digestive experience in my life, a severe food poisoning that led to me praying aloud to our Lord and Savior. I hadn't been in touch in a while, begging not to shit myself in the middle of traffic on the highway. I'm very proud to say I did not shit my pants that evening, which I still cannot believe to this day. I did, however, get a crippling digestive ailment and was sick for about a year afterwards. Love, light and happy brewing. I think that changed my life. (laughs) That is really, that's true love when you can both like put your heads together and just like successfully execute a sea brew. Well, okay. Can I tell a story? Yes. It doesn't have brew in it, but it's brew related. (laughs) Love. 
Okay, one of the things that I find so intensely ironic and confusing in 2018 is how cafe gratitude is now like a chic thing in LA because mm-hmm. like in 2005 in San Francisco, it was like mildly dingy and like really just nut based. It was like a quinoa cashew nut. And extravaganza. I, I'm really into like being healthy and, and like healthy white food. dreadlocks. And like there were a lot of white dreadlocks. <laughs> it was confusing. But um, my current husband and I went out on a date there and early on in our relationship. And in SF or in LA? In S- we met in the Bay. Okay. I was randomly living in San Francisco. Did you not know that about me? I didn't me? know that about you. I lived in the Bay for seven years. Wow. I know. San hella. Francisco girl. Hella. Just hella. Yeah. Hella. I'm hella Bay. Mm-hmm. I mean, my cell phone has a 510 area code. <sighs> the more you I'm know. chic like that. Yeah. I like calling Oakland chic. Um, so anyway, we went to Cafe Gratitude and the flavors were interesting. Go back to my apartment, do what we do, ostensibly go to sleep, except that I couldn't sleep because I had the most painful gas of my life and i spent the entire night trying to like hold in farts because it was not it was really early or early-ish too soon too soon for too soon way too soon yeah and it was like to just do like vegan farts in the bed it was like swords like rushing through my guts that's the worst it was so horrible when you have like a crippling never ever ever wanted to go to cafe gratitude again (laughs) and then now it's like Flash forward 13 years and Cafe Gratitude is like the chic place for anorexic girls to go for lunch. And then they have like, you know, Gracias Madre, Mm -hmm. which is like another chic place where you can like get wasted and only eat like pistachio, like, but they have like chips and salsa there. I don't know. I've never been because I've been scared of the gas. You've been traumatized. I think it's too much. And I even have like a really tough gut. That was like a wild experience. Yeah. When I first came to LA, like in July of 2008, I came out here for a week to like try and find an apartment and just like get a lay of the land. And my friend who I was staying with was like obsessed with eat with like raw food restaurants. Like they were really like raw food is very hard to digest. Yeah. So my acupuncturist is like, always like eat more cooked vegetables. Fuck these salads. Yeah. I ate probably three raw meals like in a row and then went off to LAX to like fly back to Chicago. And you had a brew. And I almost brewed my pants like in the <laughs> airport. I ran from like the car to the nearest bathroom right in the airport and just like brewed down. And I was like, wow, a raw food journey like really gets the juices flowing. It's really a lot. Yeah. That was like the worst night of my life. Oh. I was like lying there just like clenched like don't fart. Don't fart. Oh my god, that's awful. Little did I know. Could you have left? Little well, it was my apartment. Was he farting too? Was no. he holding in his farts too? Exactly. Well, little did I, I don't know if he was holding them in or not. I or maybe he was fine that night. I don't know. Because little did I know, a few months later into our relationship, <laughs> I was always sometimes he would roll down the window in the car when it would be really cold on a Bay Area night. I'd be like, I'd be like, Ian, God, like roll up the window. And he'd be like, What? No. And I was like, Oh. And then it turned out he was the biggest farter ever. <laughs> 
the guy like, but you know early on sometimes you try to keep it real chill and like you don't fart mm-hmm. no i'm a not i don't i'm like a pretty and not farter in i never people. farted i love but, a, like a walk yeah. away fart i'm not <laughs> fart. <laughs> i like a wandering I over love these like coping mechanisms <laughs> A wander over to go like see, but if I had sword farts happening, I would be probably have to just go home. Well, I think That's I so did, painful. Like, I was at home, and I think I did get up and like go to the bathroom like a couple times. But anyway, it was just a traumatic experience. Obviously, <laughs> since I've refused to eat a cafe gratitude all these years, <laughs> you never forget your first vegan moment. <sighs> Well, thank you so much for being my guest on Babe. This was amazing. This was so much more than I ever even hoped for. And I feel deeply grateful for the experience. I'm grateful for you. It's a good week for gratefulness. Not just Thanksgiving week, but every week after too. Yeah. Keep gratitude at the forefront of your mind. And maybe try and and meditate. And drink lots of water. Mm Mm-hmm. And try right. and exercise every once in a while. If you can. If you can. But if you can't, it's okay. Don't put pressure on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.